He had a smaller camera hidden in his trunk. These photographs are from that camera. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the Korokai village. Yeah. The tall man is Dr. Levinson. There I am. What a homely brat I was 70 years ago. Where are the Kurakai? We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the star and our um, three episode um, like Christmas arc that we had. Um, we talked about some toys. We talked about some secretaries and then fax machines or, or copy machines and stars and Santas and trash bags and eggnog, you know, all Christmas things. And I hope you guys enjoyed that three episode run. I think it's funny because this episode is going to be released in December. So we just got past Christmas guys and now we're getting into December. So we're really good at planning this stuff. Well, you know, I I mean, that is the shopping season that we kind of were priming everybody for. So, right. uh, Yeah. Hopefully you got all the, the toys that the youngsters need and you won't have to face the looks of disappointment. Yeah. Uh, when they opened up all the socks. <laughs> You're like, listen, I wanted a Christmas glaive. This is not a Christmas glaive. Like, get out of here. You're not welcome in this house anymore. Well, I'm still hoping for one. You know, it, I, I, you know it's only been uh, 36 years that I've been waiting, but, uh, you know, I'm still hoping. But, right? So, have hope. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, <laughs> welcome uh, to Strange Highways. This is an anthology based podcast in which we do talk about anthology shows, in, in particular The Twilight Zone. We have covered the original series, all, all five seasons back from the 60s. We didn't cover them then. We co- just you go back and listen. They were from the 60s. We didn't cover them in the 60s because podcasts weren't a thing then. That'd be really weird. Anyway, and then we covered both uh, seasons of the Paramount Plus Jordan Peele produced uh, series. And now we're in a little past the halfway point of the 80s revival. Um, and like I said, we just got past their Christmas episode. And I hope everybody had, had a, a wonderful non-denominational Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know what that means. I like the idea. I just like I'd wish people like, you know, happy bird having. Or happy, happy, um, if you're not into eating animals, happy whatever food made you happy to eat that day. day. Happy Tofurky Day. Happy Tofurky Day, yes. Um, so, yeah, we're into Season 1, Episode 14, Segment A, Still Life, air date January 3rd, 1986. So we've moved from 85 and 86, saying goodbye to 85, um, bo- marching boldly into 86. Uh, number one song is Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Um, I do remember the song. I went, I was going to go look it up, but I'm like, I don't think I need it stuck in my head. We love Lionel Richie, but this isn't one of my favorites of his. Uh, number one film, Rocky IV, as it should be forever and ever. I, I love that that that's the song, and then this is the movie. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like we should replace some of his fiber music 
with Lionel Richie music instead. <laughs> <It's> in <a laughs> <movie>. <laughs> save you, yeah. Save me. I need yeah. a yeah. I need um a bit where instead of no easy way out, it's just him, Stallone driving to dancing on the ceiling in the same montage of him just imagining uh Drago killing Apollo over and over again, but it's just Lionel Richie playing. I would I would appreciate that cut. So yeah, and, yeah. and then what he's like running through the mountains. It's just it's like. <laughs> Him playing, uh, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> yeah, he goes to the top of the mountain. He's like, hello! You know, anyway, so, yeah, I, that's, come on. That we, I think we've made a better movie. Not really, but I would watch that movie. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's the fan yeah. at it. The, yeah. the, the Richie cut. We, yeah. <laughs> we demand the Richie cut. Uh, so I couldn't find anything for day and date, so I kind of started Googling around. And found an, I found another magazine that's not Playgirl, so everybody should be happy about that. Terry, I sent you the link in um, the Skype chat. I don't know if you're able to see that or not. It's for a magazine called Sin Fantastique. It's from January of 86. I think Ooh. you'd appreciate the cover on that and then what the, the what they got into it's one of those it's a film magazine just like you know oh, you get, yeah, yeah yeah so this was a magazine that i I've, I've heard plenty about but i don't think that they were uh they were producing it when i got to a little older age where i could have probably found it because mm-hmm. you know like a uh, fan uh uh what is it uh fangoria like uh, starlog Mont- right yeah 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 so like a lot of movie magazines that came out in the 70s 80s and that like great stuff but uh yeah you have uh this is tim curry as the the darkness from legend right on the cover of man like i love this film legend is an incredible film and just tim curry is so masterful in everything that i've ever seen him in like he's just in his comedies he's a ham but in his serious roles like to playing you know playing pennywise or playing like in this case the darkness he's just awesome like he, he's an incredible actor and Man, this I love this. I, I wish I had this when I was a kid. Well, I mean, you could buy it for $15, so that's one thing. Uh, but I also want to point out in this that the cover said, uh, Legend director Ridley Scott and makeup creator Rob Bottin on filming Epic Fantasy. And then uh, Enemy Mine, the big Christmas release, uh, had big production problems. Yeah, we kind of know that. And then Amazing Spielberg, Steven Spielberg talks and spins amazing stories. So I like, I like hearing these stories, like seeing these headlines in the present tense or talking about the future i think that's fun um but here's the description here of the movies that they talk about in this and that's the reason why i brought this up because it's a kind of a snapshot of 86 going into the year right it's um uh what was it the making of a legend with ridley scott amazing stories of spielberg psycho 3 elm street 2 uh santa claus the movie enemy mine transylvania 6 5000 silver bullet the goonies the doctor and the devils return to oz that is um you know these are all things that were currently in production or just have been released. So no one really knew how these were going to land. There's some heavy hitters here and then there's some, that not so much. So, I mean, there's some great stuff in here. I mean, I obviously love legend. Uh, uh, I mean, amazing stories we've covered on the, uh, the podcast before, uh, nightmare on Elm street. The series itself is uh, pretty, pretty solid. I, I'm not going to say that as a broader statement, silver bullet, <laughs> Silver Bullet is incredible, and I think that's yeah, that's okay. So it shows a still of uh, Stephen uh, Stephen King next to one of the uh, almost completely done versions of Reverend Lowe's, like Werewolf. Like that looks pretty sweet. Like this is great. I I might actually have to buy this. And the Return <laughs> to Oz, Return to Oz belongs in a horror film uh, retrospective. Like 
for sure. Like, yeah. have you ever seen Return of Oz? I have. Um, it's been a long, long time. I remember um, the was it the Wheelies or whatever they call them, the Wheelers, Wheelers. Yeah. And I remember um, what was it, the one robot that kind of looked like if Mister Pringle uh, was a robot guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and he so has I, like a little monocle type. Yeah. Thing. Like I love all the like I love fantasy, but there's a a weird mashing of fantasy and horror that sometimes really works well. And I feel like the original Wizard of Oz, it, it can sort of be a horror film for a lot of people. My father-in-law was scared, uh, like scared shitless of the uh, the winged monkeys. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in this movie, yeah, the wheelers. I've talked to so many people who are like, the wheelers terrified me. And then uh, the, another scene that's like actually really scary in itself, too, is the queen, when she finally gets to the queen, she is able to like remove her head and put on different heads. It's 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 a wild. Movie so you're telling me that uh, Guillermo del Toro watched this movie a lot as a child, is what you're saying. Growing up, this is probably one of his favorite movies, right? Uh, I'm kidding. I don't know. Probably so. But no, it's been forever since I've seen it. It is something that I've been circling a rewatch for um, for a while. And maybe, maybe, maybe on here or another show that um, I'm a part of, and we'll have you on, and uh, we'll talk some Return to Oz. That'd be really, really fun. Oh hell yeah! Like yeah. I, I got plenty to say about it, man. <laughs> so yeah, I figured the the this uh, cinefantastic uh, fantastic that's that's a fun word to say. Uh, magazine would be uh, something to to talk about. Versus, I couldn't find anything for date unless you found something for day and date. There's nothing really of interest. Yeah. I, I, yeah, a lot of sports stuff and yeah. i'm like there's some like geopolitical really stuff that i yeah that. there's a lot of like government like maneuvering and about like there's things that i didn't understand like the significance of so i didn't want to get into that um we get later in the month there's some some big big things and that's that's it's horrible thing to say but the end of the january of 86 there's going to be some big stories to talk about we'll get there when we get there but anyway that's your day and date is uh rocky for the lana ritchie cut um, was released or no, it was number one film. And, uh, yeah. And, 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 and Terry likes, uh, he likes, uh, 1986's, uh, film slate. So, <laughs> so that's the two things we've established. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a good, it was a good two years. I mean, the, you know, 85, which, uh, this series, uh, originally came back out into 85, Like, there's such incredible films that came out in 85 and 86, nothing to sneer at either. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited to talk about, the second half of the the first season. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So let's get into uh, uh, who did what here. Okay. So uh, we got a familiar name here as a director, uh, Peter, Peter Medic. Uh, we had talked about him during Ye Gods and Dead Woman's Shoes. So, and we will be talking about him again because he had done other episodes after this one as well. Yeah, this is his third of seven. So we've talked about him previously. Go check out those conversations. Um, there, there is actually he got to make some some actual stylish stylistic decisions in this one, and we'll we'll talk about those. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah definitely revisit um, Ye Gods if you haven't checked that one out. We go a little bit more in depth about yeah. his career in that. The, so. Yeah, the conversation, maybe not that segment, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so, yeah. Uh, and then again, we get some familiar names here for our writers' credits. Uh, it's a two, uh, it's a two-person team for the writers. Uh, this will be the third episode that they produce, and the last uh, is you know as far as their input. But uh, uh, Garrett Graham. Uh, we had talked about him during uh, Children's Zoo and Opening Day. And then his writing partner was uh, Chris Hubbell. 
So yeah. Yeah, and, go, go yeah. back to one of those episodes. You'll hear a little bit more conversation about them. And, and thankfully they end on a, on a, um, a better note uh, versus opening day. Cause every yeah, note, for sure. every note, and I'm talking about the music and that was terrible. But anyway, yes. Um, and children's zoo was just weird. Um, very weird, but fun. It's kind of concept. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, I, I don't know about you. This is a little bit, a little bit behind the scenes people. Whenever you're like, Oh, these are people we've talked about already. Easy notes, easy notes. I'm like, Oh, there's only three and a half people on this episode. Easy notes, easy notes. Like, you know, cause sometimes it's like, Hey, we have a 15 minute segment. We're bringing the entire city of Newark, New Jersey. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, how am I supposed to take notes on every single person I see? It gets tough. Well, sometimes. Yeah, it, and I, I think it gets a little long in the tooth sometimes when he, uh, people hear us having a conversation about somebody that we literally just talked about like four episodes ago. Oh, for sure. so I mean, I, that's, <laughs> that's the foundation you build upon. Right. So I think, I think that's fair. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, we've talked about these other people already and now we have, um, three and a half people to talk about in this. And by half people, I mean, you know, we'll get to the, the person that played a uh, Kurakai. <laughs> so, uh, who, who are our actors here? All right. So, uh, Robert Carradine, uh, I do. I wasn't familiar with the name at first, but uh, so Robert Carradine plays Daniel Odward, or uh, I'm sorry, Arnold, Daniel Odward. D- Daniel Awkward. Daniel Awkward. No, you want to? Yeah. I know you. I know you want to say Arnold. I know you want to say it like Arnold. Yeah, Daniel yeah. Arnold. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, um, so this gentleman was in. Believe it or not, I was surprised by this. So he actually has a lot of connections to horror, but he was in. Uh, a film that you've recently watched within the last year and a half or so. He was in Orca, a great animal attack film, kind of a ripoff of Jaws, but he's in that. He's in, an, a, in a really good anthology film that John Carpenter participated in called Body Bags. And then I think most people might recognize this guy from the Revenge of the Nerd series. He's Louis Skolnick. Yeah, he's. But um, we'll get to the the other um, other Carradine here in a second. But he's a part of a lineage, uh, and since he grew up in like a, like a family of like you know actors and things, like he was in a lot of productions. Like one of his first films was a John Wayne film he was in. So, but it's like I started to watch this, and I'm like, I'm like, I know that face, you know. And and the way he carries himself here is way different than he does in Revenge of the Nerds, right? So it took a second for me to place it, but. Um, so the big thing, obviously we know him for revenge of the nerds. Like you mentioned, I have, um, <laughs> I like this trivia. This was according to this Wikipedia page. It was to prepare for the comedy. Carradine spent time with the university of Arizona where the movie was being filmed. Uh, he participated in rush week. No fraternity picked him convincing Carradine that he was indeed right for the part of the nerd that nobody wanted to claim <laughs> as their own. That's, that, that works for, that's, that's totally on brand for like the character he wanted to portray. Yeah. Uh, so as much as, um, revenge of the nerds has not aged well in a lot of ways, um, that was kind of a staple growing up. So, uh, and I do like Robert Carradine. Yeah. It, and it's, it's such an interesting career that he has. I, and another thing, uh, he's still working there. too. You know, he's still doing stuff. Yeah. Good for him too. Especially in the fact that it's like, there really hasn't been anything that he can't do. Like, again, he's done horror. He's done uh you know the comedy and he's still he, like he's done shows he was the father on the lizzie mcguire show and i completely forgot about that too it's just like he's he's actually a pretty decent actor i i was very very surprised by his portrayal of the killer well wait 
Yeah, I guess I already let the cat out of the bag. You get ready for his portrayal of a, uh, a killer in uh, Body Bag. It's a oh, real I thought, fun one. I just you were literally talking about the Lizzie McGuire show. I'm like, where did that show go? <laughs> He's the whale in Orca. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's the part people forget about. He's you know? a great actor, yeah. um, but no, it was a it was a lot of fun to see him in this, and I I didn't recognize him from his face right off because like they did a really good job of like disguising him with a different hairstyle and different clothing. You know, he's not wearing the suspenders. Well, he just and, he just looks like a regular guy as opposed yeah, to like you but know his voice. Yeah, yeah. His voice it was like, who is this dude? Why does his voice sound so familiar? And yeah. I've seen Revenge of the Nerds. I'm I'm not even kidding. Like probably fifty, sixty times. Like mm-hmm. I, that is a film that I grew up with in my household. It was a lot of weird comedies like this and horror. So that's how weird I am. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's all the layers of me. I'm an onion. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just a a um, just a very mysterious and um, very sexy onion. That's Terry. That's how I always describe him. To everybody, uh, so um, I also like my dating profile. If I ever get the blue. yes, right, <laughs> uh, sexy, mysterious onion. Uh, th- that um, so I also like that he had a bit part. He played a skinhead in Escape from L.A. I'm just like, oh, okay, sure, why not, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you've already worked with Carpenter, why not? Just keep going, right? So, uh, so yeah, uh, who else do we have here? So next here we have Marilyn Jones. She plays Becky Arnold, uh, the wife. And she was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, an episode of Monsters, and an episode of Quantum Leap. Uh, that was pretty much like her kind of avenue. Mm-hmm. She did a lot of TV work. Yeah, she, they, you know, she worked steadily through the eighties, and, and that was about it. It's confusing to me that her name's Becky Arnold because I keep thinking of uh, Roseanne and the Connors. Ah, yeah, because I'm just like, God damn it! That, like, that, like she was the first Becky Arnold because because um, Becky is the she's the older sister in the family, yeah. which is funny because she's been played by two different actresses. Uh, and it's like, here's the, you could bring her in as the third Becky and that'd be fine. And then, and then the, the, the first actress actually came back yes. for the, for the new episodes and that, and then the now is in the Connors still. Yeah. Because I know the second actress was Sarah Chalk who went mm-hmm. on to do scrubs, was and, on scrubs. Yep. And, and Rick and Morty and all that. So yeah. And um, she actually appeared as a surrogate mother in one of the episodes of Roseanne when, that, it, so she came back. That's funny because I know there'd be the whole thing about like you like you changed over the course of a summer or whatever, but you know, like they yeah. basically acknowledge that there's a different Becky. But yeah, we need a third Becky now. That's what we need. Another Becky in there. Um, so yeah, that you're right. There's not like again, looks like steady work. You know, uh, you know, good for her. Like in terms of like, you know, you you did something that you're interested in. You got paid. There's some syndication money coming your way. Awesome. You know, but there's not a lot there like other than the things you mentioned that really stand out to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then uh, one of our big, big credits here that we want to mention, uh, John Carradine, uh, he has an attachment to the original series, and he plays Professor Alex Stolick. Stolick? I think it's Stottle. Stottle. It's, it's a weird, it's like, why would, you had all the names to write in the world, you picked that one anyway, so. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, he was in the original series in the episode The Howling Man. Yeah, he played Brother Jerome, and he uh, commanded great uh, presence in that episode. That's a... Uh, that's that's a fun one. Um, it is. Um, it's a. Um, oh shoot! It's a very interesting episode. For yeah. Sure. It, yeah. It's. Um, oh, the writer it always fails me. Uh, it's one of. Um, uh, I, I just googled the Howling. That's not the name of it. Uh, the Howling Man. It is uh, written by Charles Beaumont. It's actually one of um, his from season two. There's actually a really really cool uh, red to green transition. 
mm-hmm. of makeup where they would do like like you go back and watch it because the way that they shot it in black and white, they were able to actually show red and green lights on faces to cover it. Like if someone had like red and green makeup, if they shone a, like a red light on them, it would hide the red makeup and the green would be predominantly like filmed and then they'd switch to green. And so you'd see this difference. So there's like a subtle change and not his character, but the guy who played the, the devil spoilers. Um, they do a really cool red to green shift that looks like he turns evil. It's really effective. It's a cool little episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, this is royalty, uh, yes. amongst the horror film, uh, kind of like genre that we have in this episode. So yeah, small, small roles in, uh, the invisible man, the bride of Frankenstein. He played Dracula in house of Frankenstein and house of Dracula, but he was also in a, a, a movie called monster club that was covered on this show. So you guys want to get a, a get a deeper uh, conversation about his career. You might want to check that out because that's a really interesting discussion. <laughs> interesting is another word for um, <laughs> I drank a lot of Kraken and the elevator started going down real fast at the end of that episode, everybody. So, yeah, um, I, you know what? I actually <laughs> for sure. I actually forgot he was in Monster Club when I was doing my notes. Thank you for like, thank you for reminding me. Thank you, Terry. For, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, this guy, he um, has like he just when you mention royalty in terms of horror movies, also just in general, like the guy had a very illustrious career uh, in Ten Commandments and Stagecoach, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Uh, he, he was a voice in The Secret of Nim, uh, and he had uh, a reoccurring role of like well two episodes in The Monsters. Uh, he was yep. an episode of Night Gallery. Uh, John Carradine, you know, you know lived a life and this was his last, and he was in playhouse 90 as well. Yeah, so he, he did the, the hat trick as right. well. Uh, this was his last TV appearance. He would go on to like, I think in two other movies, but this was really at the very end of his existence, which yeah, a, that's a weird way. I phrased that he would pass in a couple of years after this, but yeah, this was one of his last TV roles. It, it's great to have seen him, uh, kind of keep, keep on the, uh, the connection, you know, through all the different, um, Rod Serling, connections i guess so you know like this being kind of still the brainchild of rod sterling and coming and appearing in this if he had it in him he probably would have still done the series later on but obviously gone gone too soon but not too soon i guess he was still an older gentleman so. yeah no he, he lived a full life for sure but uh no but it's like this was that like um it, it, there is that connected tissue we've talked about that like we had last last week with um the the gentleman that played the the reverend being in the obsolete man that there's yeah. a little bit of credence that like incredibility that's given like from one to the other. So that's cool. And then there's also like, uh, all like it's Kearney, you know, like after he had his highs in terms of like, you know, quote unquote, like legitimate Hollywood cinema, he, he did do a lot of horror. He did do a lot of B films. It's like, you know, like it's like, um, I'm trying to think like who else would be somebody like that, where they never walked away. Like Christopher Lee, it didn't matter what project he was in. He would, you know, he, he knew what he was in. He would bring his a game regardless of paycheck, you know? So I think, I think Carradine's in that kind of that same type of like, um, you know, professional. Yeah. We, we, we've had, we've talked about D Wallace as well, mm-hmm. uh, during this, uh, this run of the, uh, twilight zone. And I, uh, you know, she's the same way as well. Like you never get her just kind of, uh, phoning it in. Like it's, it's great to see, that there are so many connections to things that I love. I mean, like I always have a great conversation with you about the twilight zone, but when I'm starting to get really into the horror stuff, that's when I'm like, 
I'm so I'm in my playground now, you know. So it's it's fun to have these kinds of conversations with you and bring these different aspects of my youth because I mean I've seen a lot of this stuff. So it's like revisiting that in my in conversation with you. It's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I hope that sparks people out there to check out like these other things we mentioned, because that's that, that, you know, like, you know, it, you won't know what's out there until you know. Right. So I think I think um, your your excitement for this, I think that's, you know, you can, people could definitely tell your passion. And, and if they align with your tastes, they're like, hey, you know, what? if if Terry likes it, I want to check it out. So there you go. The, it's the Terry, the Terry sexy onion seal of approval. I, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm a cool guy. Tell all your friends. All yes. Right? Yeah. And I, I will, I will stop with the sexy onion talk right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah. So we'll work into our last, uh, last credit here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Robert Morris, uh, plays a, a Kurakai. Yeah. Kurakai. Uh, tribe that's, member. That's it. And, yeah. That, that the, literally this is the only credit uh, to the IMB. Well, IMDb. because his, yeah, cause his photo got taken while making this. So he never got to do anything else again is what happened. <laughs> yeah. He's locked in that camera. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like IMDB mentions Robert, but then uh, Wikipedia doesn't. So I'm like, well, that's a kind of a drag, you know? And, but you know, it is, it is what it is. I mean, hopefully you got a paycheck out of this. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would hope so. Right. And then like, what, what would be better? I don't know. Like to maybe like have like a one-off where it's like, Oh, I was, um, you know, whatever in this for like a second. And then you go about your life and then you could always put that on a resume, right? Like, Oh, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, in, in an episode of the twilight zone. Yeah. And what do you do? Well, I'm an electrician by day, you know, like, <laughs> but you just put it on your, like, you know, that would be a great level. Like, you know, Hey, like, you know, you remember me? I was in the Twilight Zone. Because, like, how many people can say that? I mean. Yeah, I know. was in an episode where it kind of insensitive talk was used about tribal members. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to mention, too, that there were other Kurakai members, uh, tribe members in this, this episode. This is the only actor that's mentioned. So yeah, just, I don't know if they, they actually used him multiple times because I think maybe because the stunt stuff. Well, I don't know. There was also like, all right, so we'll get into it, but there is one scene where there are two. Oh, that's in, true. In, You're right. You're right. And then I believe there is a female Kurakai member that is a, attacking in the first scene. So we'll talk about, we'll talk about that too. But like, yeah, yeah like a little, a little messed up. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what, wait, 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 you're telling me Robert Carradine is in a production in the eighties that, um, has not aged well because of certain sensitivities that we're now more aware of. Well, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, listen, I only do projects that will age horribly. That's in my rider, and I'm kidding. So you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, listen, I have to be the killer in Liz- the Lizzie McGuire show. That's going to be the big twist there. No, uh, so all right, let's just, let's get into uh, we got to our, our our cast and crew here. Uh, you know, for for what it was, not like not a lot. That's fine. Like, I sometimes smaller is better in terms of these like shorter sh- story segments. Let's get into still life. So uh, where are we, Terry? All right, so we uh, open up to. Uh, it was a Becky. Becky is in there. It looks to be some kind of a, a party. Like, like, well, how would you best describe it? It's like an Airbnb party well, it, center. It, it, well, it looks like, cause I think they make, cause um, I think uh, David makes the comment about restor- uh, restoring her grandmother's house. 
I it's think, a bigger house. Yeah, it's a really it, big I think house. Trying to turn it into a wedding venue of some sort. Well, he also has a photo studio there. I think that's what they're doing. I think he has a, like he does like his photography there as well. So I think it's one of those things where he kind of that's his base of operations. But they're also in the process of restoring their house because uh, I did take I did take a screenshot of the sign from this and it says, let's see here, uh, Daniel Arnold photography, weddings, parties, graduations, all occasions, also expert uh, photographic restoration. So he's just, he will do all those things, but they won't host them there. So, okay. I, yeah. I, let's say I was confused by the sign because I was thinking that this might be a venue for some of that stuff because I mean, it's a big house. I, it is a really you know, big house. Yeah. Yeah. You could have, I mean, like maybe not a big sprawling wedding or anything like that, but it would. It would <laughs> we're going <laughs> to have the reception in the basement, people, but only two people at a time. Just uh, keep it quaint, right? Anyways, yeah. <laughs> Just say hi and buy and drop your card in a box. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, so we get Becky. She's uh, putting some stuff away. She's cleaning some dishes and that, and we get the we get her husband Daniel coming home, and he was supposed to go out and apparently get a new brass bed frame or whatever for them but he comes home with some loot in a big um i guess you would call it like a a crate or not a crate it's but a big what, trunk what it's a trunk, trunk. Right? yeah yeah it's a, like a carrying trunk of sorts but when and you say loot it does it doesn't look dissimilar to like not a treasure a chest but it looks like <laughs> yeah it looks like a loot crate no it looks like every like steamer trunk you've seen in every movie where people are traveling by train you know that's right. what it looks like so and he's going through it and he's finding a lot of different camera pieces and that uh, stuff, like very vintage pieces. And she's a little upset, but probably not as upset as she probably should be, you know, because she was hoping for the bed. <laughs> so, yeah, I, but, you know, I would be kind of pissed. It's like, you're supposed to go pick up a bed. He's like, yeah, I got this, this crate. And it's like, you know, or this trunk. Yeah, but that's not a bed. Th- you know? Yeah, this is like the Peggy Bundy from the, the Married with Children. Like, you were sent out with money to go get groceries and you brought back a fur, fur coat. Like yeah. what the hell? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like Daniel did it again. We're not going to be able to sleep. We're sleeping on the floor again on cardboard. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah. Um, but like he, you know, I, this must be something that they are constantly dealing with. You know, he's uh, not only a photographer, but he seems to be a collector and a, a knowledgeable guy of different, uh, like different equipment. So he's going through, and he's pretty excited. He's, he's seeing different lenses and different parts of different cameras and then uh, underneath all of that there seems to be a, uh, a a panel that is removable and he finds an older camera this camera is the first production of like kodak the kodak brownie 100 and this was a uh, kind of state of the art for that time where it used a uh, roll film but they didn't use any time before that and when he start like he says that there's a there's still film in this thing too, and it's sealed up, so the film is probably still good. So yeah. in a, in a sense, I th- I see I see that there is like the gears working a little bit, not only for for Daniel because this is something like kind of a gold mine in a sense. It's like this is something like like pristine, but I think his his wife is also looking at it from the point of view of like we could sell this thing and get a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. Well, then also too, there's the bit where, um, he points out that cause he goes to his garage for a second, um, that he ends up finding her little snapshot camera. I don't know what you call them. Like a little tiny, like, like, like not really like a, 
Yeah, like it almost it's like almost the size of like a like a spy cam in a sense. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's like these old. Smaller. It's a little tiny, like point and click. Uh, and, yeah, ones, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like it, it's it's still. Everybody knows disposable cameras now. It's smaller than that because it was an actual functional camera you could put. Like I remember these growing up, right? Uh, yeah, they had. Know, they, they, there yeah. was ones that I think this was uh, one of them, but they used a disc, and that was the film itself. Okay, these little discs. Yeah, so like the the the, the little latch on it wasn't closing, and she was like asking him to hopefully fix it because that's what he does. Like he restores like old equipment and everything else, and he's almost offended by it. He's like, "Get this out of here!" He's like, "If you want to learn photography, I'll teach you." And she's like, "I just want to take like you know snapshots." And like I'll say this now, um, with this being eighty six when this was released, we're in twenty twenty two. Like you're you're listening to like, do you want to do photography? No, I just want to take pictures with my phone. You know, that's the conversation we're hearing. Right. And, but like, she's like, I just like, it's like, he's like, I'm a photographer. She's like, yeah, I just want to take pictures. And like, it sounds like this is that back and forth they have as a couple where she does appreciate what he can do, but it's like, she also is like, yeah, but can I just take a picture of friends? And we don't get a big in-depth conversation, but it does cause her to be like, you'll never see the camera again. I'm just going to put it on the porch and then forget about it. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and then that's when he finds the other camera. And um, that's when he's like, you know, I could develop this film. And then she makes some kind of comment. Um, something tells me the hedge isn't going to get trimmed this afternoon. Which the way <laughs> she said that, it sounded it sounded dirty to me. Like it meaning really, like really implied something dirty to me yeah, as well. Yeah, it's just like, oh well it sounds like you know whatever like you well also like there's no bed. So anyway, yeah. Uh so then we get him uh uh you know developing the photos and I just want to point out to you, Terry, we're in the dark room again. Are you excited for the dark room? Um uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure because, uh, yeah, it, it depends on where the dark room we don't, we is. Don't have, really um, crystal in the dark room? We don't have James Coburn making weird comments about makeup, right? So, <laughs> right. Or, or Billy Crystal, uh, you know, with his uh, makeup case and, you know, I don't standing, know. Grow, standing up straight. Yeah, and, grow, and growing six inches for, like, not really. Yeah, anyway, so. Uh, so yeah, we have this bit where he's developing the photos. We find out like one of the first images is like a, like basically like a time and date to show where it was. It was from an expedition in 1913. And then all the photos show an expedition where you have the people on this trip along with, um, the local, uh, culture, the Kurakai, which we find out their name. And, um, that's when we get to some of the questionable commentary from, um, from, from Becky, uh, about the photos. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> obviously, you know, this is this was done in '85, released in '86. Uh, she's calling them Indians. They're definitely not Indians. That's not the right terminology that we can use for these people. And the, they're native people, and it's like the, it, it's very insensitive and very, I don't know, like ignorant. There, there's a, 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 a quite a bit of ignorance going on here. And she's not really that drawn into it, but she's just like, oh, they look scary or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're different Creepy than or me. Creepy whatever she says. Yeah, like they're, they're different than me, and they have an entire different lifestyle and society that I can't comprehend. But, but just because they may not be wearing pants, I, I'm scared of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like also to, you know, I'd also say to be fair to her, there's a little tiny, tiny bit. You're looking at these photos in a dark room 
with the red light. So everything's going to look scary. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But (laughs) either way, it's still insensitive. No, but, uh, no, I'm I'm not disagreeing with that statement, but, but I've been like, hey, t- I'm like, I'm like, hey Terry, check out these cat photos. You're like, I'm, th- this terrifies me. Like, yeah, like, but they're nice cats. You're like, no, I don't know. It's under red light. Everything looks scary. Why are their eyes red? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Daniel uh, thinks that he really should get these photos of somebody that they can uh, have a better say on them. I'm not sure if he's actually interested more in like financial gain at this point i think he just wants to talk more to like somebody who has knowledge yeah, of something he, of he seems like the kind of guy that he'll take a financial hit if that brings something cool out like if he's fascinated with something right because clearly he spent money on a trunk that has a camera or has lenses and things in it before he found the secret one that he knows he can restore but it always sounds it sounds like it's going to be at a loss but his passion's there which I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not going to try to draw a parallel, Terry, about podcasting, but you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, sometimes you work at a loss, but but you're passionate about it. Um, I, you know, that's all I'll say about that. But no, he seems anxious or excited to go to the professor uh, at the local university because it also sounds like he's a, he's a really connected guy because he does all this photography work, right? So, um, since he is you know a legitimate photographer, but also does like like proms and weddings and everything like that's his, that's his, like, that's what, you know, keeps his family fed and what you like people call his side hustle now, which I think is, you know, I don't know if I agree with that statement, but him finding like these, like actual, like these are like images that haven't been seen in like 70 years. This is of importance. Yeah. You get the idea that he actually isn't trying to profit from it. He actually wants to get these to the right people. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, who better to take this to than a a professor, like somebody who might have knowledge of this. So he tries, he tells his wife that he had been trying to get a hold of this professor and everything. And for some reason, it keeps on going to a busy signal or nobody's picking up. So he decides, I'm just going to take the photos over there and see what he has to say about it. Uh, That's not a, a normal thing to do nowadays. That's another thing that's changed during time. Everybody comes over to my house because they can't get a get me on the phone. I'm pissed off because they're they're coming over uninvited. <laughs> oh, thanks for the warning. I just you know no I'm just, no I um, yeah. What are we thirteen? You can't yeah. come over and play baseball with me because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, I that was a thing when I was a kid. I would just go over a friend's house and like, hey, what's up? How you right. Doing? No, like uh, like. <laughs> Uh, yesterday, uh, we had a package that got delivered to the next door neighbor by accident, or we, we weren't sure entirely. So, uh, my wife's like, you should go over and go get it. And I'm like, I have to go over there. And so I walked on the porch and I just like, <laughs> and I pressed the doorbell cause they have one of those ring doorbells. Right. And like no one answered. And I'm like, well, that's it. And then she got mad at me. She's like, you didn't like knock on the door. I'm like, they have a ring doorbell. They have a camera. And then I'm like, also this package, it might be between like the front door and like the screen door, like whatever it is. And I'm like, I'm not going to open some stranger's door to see if there's a package there. And then we got into an argument, but it was like the anxiety of going someplace and actually being like, Hey, you don't know me, but I think you have something of mine. I, how did we do that? How did we do that? Now it's like, yeah, it, yeah. If, if you, if you call me different time. I'm hoping for a text message. <laughs> you know, like it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I'm I'm totally there with you, man. But yeah, so he uh, you get Daniel that goes over to the professor's place, 
he says, I have this camera, uh, and apparently these photos were taken from this exposition uh, in this area in 1913. He's like, there's no pictures. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, there, there were absolutely no pictures taken. I was on that exposition. He's like, well, here you go. And he hands over uh, this little envelope of different pictures that were taken from that camera that he had developed. He's like, this is it. They're like, I'm not lying to you, man. Somebody took these pictures, and here they are. And apparently, through our professor's uh, conversation with him, those that that tribe that was in that area that they were in, they didn't appreciate the pictures because they had this belief that if the picture or even a drawn picture, yeah, if you if you if you somehow create their image. They feel that was ownership of them or in their soul. And then they put two, right. two together and figured out what the cameras were for and then got really aggressive and started breaking them and chasing the expedition out, right? Because he was part of that. Because there's something in the beginning there where he's like, oh, I was there. And he's like, there's a garbled bit of sentence where he's like, oh, look at me. I was it's just here. I'm, 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 let me play this again. Because tell me, tell me what you think he says. Let me hear. I'll, I'll, this, this is very confusing. Here, he had second. a smaller camera hidden in one his. Second. Yeah. Tall man is Dr. Levinson. There I am. What a horny brat I was, 70. Did he say a little horny, but I was 13 or whatever? Did he say that? That's very A confusing. little horny brat. Oh, okay. Like it sounds like he says horny brat. Yeah, I'm like, th- is that really how you want to, like, maybe that meant something different back then. It's very confusing. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I mean, <laughs> or maybe he was. You know, uh, there was a lot of uh, unclothed people. And he was just like, uh, listen, I know there's no photos because I would have wanted them for reasons. No, um, I'm kidding. Anyway. Yeah. But no, so we find out that the, the, the locals. Very porkies of you. Yeah, and, then, and then he, since it's father and son, <laughs> the Carradines just share a smile and like a small smile and a wink. And then Robert Carradine's like, yeah, um, let me offer you this uh, whipped cream pie. That I'm selling as part of a fundraiser. Anyway, that's that's a yeah. Watch Revenge of the Nerds at your own risk. What I'm gonna say. Well, I was uh, I was uh, talking about if you've ever seen Porky's, which is another dated sex comedy. Uh, there, it, one of the characters, Pee Wee, would he would measure in the morning if if I need to keep this as PG as possible. <laughs> but he would bring out a National Geographic ma- magazine. To get a little, you know, a little boost. <laughs> so it's like, what? like, what are we talking about, oh, Professor? Man. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Right? Okay. I just, I, I don't think I've ever seen Porky's. I think I'm kind of okay. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think maybe it's past this time for me. You know, maybe, uh, maybe some <laughs> of the shine has fallen off of that. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, well, uh, if yeah. you at all love the creator, uh, you know, Bob Clark creator of black Christmas and a Christmas story and dead kids or dead children shouldn't play with, or dead children, children shouldn't, shouldn't play, with, play things. with children shouldn't play with dead things. I'm sorry. I mean, those are all, it doesn't roll off that tongue that easily. Uh, those are almost all the same movie though. I'm, I'm kidding. Anyway. So, uh, almost, yeah, almost. <laughs> so, but so we find out like they're like, so since the, 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 the locals, you know, the indigenous people were like, no, you can't do this. And they got aggressive and start breaking cameras. And so the expedition's like that we're going to get out of here. And they, they, um, they got as far away as they could, but then, um, the, the Kurakai showed up and was like stalking them. And basically like they, they were lucky to get out with their lives. And that's when Daniel's like, but like there's photos and that's whatever the professor's like, yeah, but where are the Kurakai in these photos? 
And that's when we get the moment of like what we saw earlier being developed are the same photos, but they're every single one of Mine them. Is the Kurokai. Yes. And you know, credit to Daniel to be like, Oh shit, I made a huge mistake. Like within minutes, he's out of there. Like, <laughs> well, it's a jump. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely a jump in logic, you know, as a viewer, but I think if you were the guy who's trying to rationalize that at that exact moment, you're going to be like, yeah, right. Like, no way. What See, happened to my, that, that should have been like, here? that should have been the way the story played out. And the ending could have been a lot more grim where, mm. you know, like he could have like delayed it and been like, this is, this is stupid. What are you talking about? And then come home to find like the aftermath of the decision. But we right. go, but this becomes very much a, um, a, are you afraid of the dark episode? Uh, they're not a bad way, right? Like it's very much like, you know, the tale of the mysterious camera or whatever, right? Like, um, you know, what was it? Uh, oh, what was the name of the original series episode? The um, tale of the insensitive woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was, um, was, um, a, a, uh, pe- oh, peculiar kind of camera, whatever it is. I'll look it up as we're talking, but Daniel, I like also, he books at home, like on a 10 speed, like, um, <laughs> like, all right. Um, and he has a truck, like he has a pickup truck. So it's like, why, what, like, why, why was the bike really a thing? I don't sorry, know. A, a most unusual camera, which, you know what, if they would have used the same title for the segment, I think that would have worked as well. Right. Anyway, um, that I feel would, like I've watched this episode recently. We've been watching a lot of our refrated dark. It's, it's, so. but, but yeah, but no, the most unusual camera was original series episode where it kept showing like the future, like three minutes from now. And the, like, oh, the, you're, the, oh okay. Yeah. You're about but I'm this. saying like, this oh, should have been called the tale of the most unusual camera. But, uh, yeah, that one where like somehow seven people fall the same window in that episode anyway. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, David, uh, you know, 10 speeds at home. And, um, so I will say this, I do like, uh, that, um, when we follow him around, there's actually some extended takes of him walking through the house with the way the camera moves around that are actually pretty good, especially for, you know, 85 television production. I don't know if you noticed that there's a, like, they're not the longest unbroken takes, but they, 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 they give you the unease of him walking around his house. I thought that worked. Well, I thought it was really nice that they picked a location that was bigger. Like this house is yes. a, kind of a larger house, so it gives more um, it gives more ground to lay this storyline, and especially in the fact that it's like he's trying to find his wife, so he has to go room by room, kind of like trying to figure it out. So he he goes through the door doorway, he goes into the like the house and the foreway, and that. And, and there, there's birds flying around. So the birds, they were in the cage initially, but we didn't know that they had birds. So it's like, wait, were the birds like captured by the camera as well? And now there's birds in the house. Well, that's, was, we've we've we skipped over when she, um, when Becky first heard, like, because Daniel leaves, there she heard something kind of amiss, and she walked through that that one room, and the birds oh, were in the cage. There's, there, oh. Um, there's an, another important thing that we didn't discuss here too. So then, um, our professor, he says that the way that they communicated within the, uh, the area was through this weird, like whistling type of way. Like it like sounds wind. like, the, like yeah. imitating the wind. Um, yeah. so w- when we, when we hear, um, when we see Becky after her husband leaves, she hears some kind of weird noises within the house. 
and it's implied that it's whistling, but it sounds like what are they howler monkeys or something like that? that <laughs> yeah, it's just, it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's but yeah. it's definitely like it, it's uh, there's a monkey. I, I don't know if it's howler monkeys, but there's a monkey yeah. that they're 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 using the exact same audio, but it's emulated in a way. Yeah, it feels almost like um, there was uh, was it in season three of the original series? There was an episode called The Jungle. That mm-hmm. used uh, really effective um, sounds of like the jungle while somebody like so the main characters walking around the streets at night. I almost was thinking that maybe that's kind of the vibe they're going for. I don't know, but it works enough, right? So yeah. So fast forwarding, like the birds were there, but it is a blink and you miss it thing with the birds. Like um, you know, you have to like, but they're they're flying free. Uh, we got um, we got Daniel walking around the house and he is like like things aren't right, but he like he's trying to figure out like I think she calls out to him, but he walks yeah. into like one room. He looks at the bushes. Not bushes. Bi- like the biggest potted. Plant yeah. It's like a fern, ever. like some kind of big fern that implies like there's a hedgerow in his house. That's not what I meant by that. Like, you know, you know, he just goes, he just goes to like his house with the bushes. Jumanji. Yeah. That I was about to say, uh, thank you. He's about to make a Jumanji <laughs> joke. Right. But he ends up seeing like one of the, um, the Kirkai there behind like this big plant and he, you know, he falls backwards at this point. And this is where, um, I, I will say that this is one of the more interesting parts that he falls backwards and somehow the Kurokai that have now been released because their, their pictures have been developed, their immediate idea is we got to set traps up in this house. So not only does it become Jumanji, it becomes home alone. And, right. um, and when Daniel falls back, he almost falls on like a couch cushion. That's like with a bunch of forks, like poking upward. And it's like, that is horrific. And he misses the he get, thing. He gets one in his shoulder. Like, no, well, he, it's, he, it's he not just his shoulder. It's, it's almost his armpit. And it's like, it's like just a little shy of his armpit. And I'm like, Oh, if it had been his armpit, I would have passed out watching it. Like, I don't know how I would have been able to deal with that. Like, <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I have yeah. a tattoo that's near my armpit, and I probably would have passed out if it got me right in the armpit. <laughs> was it over so. a fork? Because that'd be even crazy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so no, but it, like, but yeah, we find out like there's like these like you know traps set up, right? Um, so then at that point, um, he uh, he hears uh, what was it? He hears uh, Becky upstairs, and um, he goes to um, like save her, and they use her as bait. And well, he goes up to the, like the landing on the upstairs, and there's broken glass all over the place too, which is like also smart yeah, he trips, thinking. He trips yeah. on the because there's like a, a line that's uh, traced across the steps. He yeah. trips on that line, and when he falls onto the the, the landing, there's a bunch of glasses that are stru- set up strategically. I think so. If somebody was to have fallen on them, yeah, it would like mess them up. Gotten, it would mess like, them yeah, up. Yeah, it would yeah. have been like punji pit like badness. Yeah, so. So, uh, but yeah, he, um, he ends up going to the, the closet, finds Becky. He ends up having a fight with one of the Kurokai and uh, just as a reaction, just as a knee jerk reaction, he, he uses his camera, his nice big XLR lens camera thing and takes their photo and they disappear. Like they're out. Right. So, uh, he starts like, like we're, we're using twilight zone and, and, um, cartoon logic at this point. And that's fine because it was set up previously, right? Like they were in the film, they got released. And that's how they're going to go back. It's it's basically Superman two rules, right? With the with the Crystal Prison going to the Phantom Zone, right? <laughs> like it's I, I, yeah. I was feeling uh, very uh, like very much like of the Gremlin vibe. Because, yeah, right. You know, yeah. In the one bar scene, 
she, uh, the girl uses a camera to use the flash lens on it. Yeah, the right and, and that, that that upsets them, right? Because the bright light. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the same thing. That's fair. Um, so then he figures this out, but then um, so he starts going around after getting her uh, and saving her, um, and then he starts going around from room to room and, and, and finding the Kurakai that are there. And then they, you mentioned there's the one group that's like in a room. There's two of them. Like, I don't know if they're making like a campfire or something. It's weird. It looks like they're making a campfire. Yeah. So, and, and like, this is in, very indicative of one of the pictures that was taken. There was like two tribal members on the ground making a fire. And then their group, like the expedition leader off in the, 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 you know, in the distance and that they are gone from the picture. So I imagine that they're like transported still trying to make the fire, but now just on this hardwood floor. That's <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It was really confusing, but yeah. I think that's kind of what they were going for. Yeah. And then like Daniel busts in, takes her picture and he <laughs> rolls out. <laughs> yeah. But then he does the thing. He does the fatal error though of him, like opening the door and because it, it's, it's a rapid, like, like it's like, you know, it's taking multiple photos at once. It's like, you can hear it firing right. off, firing off, firing off. He does, he does the, the mistake of like, not like conserving. Cause he's like, he opens the door. Like, it's almost like he's playing like silent Hill or resident evil. He's like, I'm going to aim the camera first, you know, like good thinking. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they get through like what they perceive to be most of the threat. And they're like, we need to get outside, you know? And so, and as they go outside, there's one of them out there. And then like, there's it's actually, the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But uh, like, there's a little bit of a tussle on the, on the porch where like, um, they're like, the choreography is what it is, but there's a bit where like one of them gets like flipped upside down. Like, like it's like a wrestling move. I'm like, good on them to get that choreography. Right. But then he's out of film and this guy's bringing like a a meat fork from like the grill to go stab him. And then, so I like that, um, that Becky's like, Oh shit, my little tiny camera that I can't get loaded. Right. I better go do this. And like, I'm going to put this to you, Terry, if we did, if we did an update of this today, and it was like you and I, like we fought, we unleashed whatever. And I went to go grab my phone and I'm like, oh shit, I got to delete a bunch of cat photos before I could take one. And like, I would just be having to delete like, oh no, I want to keep that one. I want to keep that one. I'm like, oh, and I have to like, like free up space real quickly. That's what would happen. And I'm sorry, you'd probably die as I'm trying to decide which cat photos to keep or not. So I'd have enough memory to take a photo with my phone. <laughs> you- well. I mean, that seems like a lot there. I probably would just take my uh, my finger or a stick and like draw the picture of the dude real quick in the dirt. <laughs> just draw a stick figure and be like, that's you. Like, <laughs> 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 I mean, they did say something about like, well, if they were, they had their picture drawn oh. too. It's like, yeah, I was I, like, I would I love it. Like I would love it if you pause for a second and be like, is that really like, yeah, like, can you see it? No, not really. I'm going to stick around for a minute. Okay, fine. Here, here's with your hair. Okay. Okay, fine. I'll go. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I need to make sure that you approve this picture before yeah. I get my commission. Uh, <laughs> like it's some yeah. like artist at Cedar point or something. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Like that, that's the update where like, you're just a caricature artist. It's like, wait, wait a second. I'll get this. You're going to have an oversized head and you're going to be on a skateboard, but it's going to look like you trust me. Just and you're going to have buck teeth and big ears. <laughs> 
and a bone through your nose because apparently that was like what they were trying to do. That's because because we're racist AF now. Uh, so yeah. so yeah, so the last guy goes away and they're like, oh, thank goodness, and that's the end of it, right? Uh, I forgot also too. Whenever they're the middle of the tussle, I like that before she goes to grab her camera, she grabs a croquet mallet and just whacks the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Didn't that. Didn't do anything because he's built like a brick shit house. Yeah. Like, like this was the boss level for yeah. Daniel. Like it's like he was trying to get out like unscathed and booby trapped. Like he, the dude was waiting there. Like I love that too. It's like they knew he was coming out that door. Like, oh, you just killed all the rest of the the mini bosses. Now you get this face Bowser. <laughs> like right. try try Bowser here. Like I don't it was it was so ridiculous. Like I like a lot about this episode, but this episode is laughable. It's, <laughs> it's very goofy laughable. and it's it's fun. It's fun little bit, right? Because I mean, it like when I when I equated it to like Are You Afraid of the Dark, I, I might be. Let me equate it more closer to like this is the kind of thing. If I saw this as a Tales from the Dark Side or Monster segment, I'd be like, oh, you know what? They kind of have punched above their weight a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, but with it being the Twilight Zone, it's still fun. I'm not dismissing it at all. And to show that, like, we could still have this kind of weird, like, you know, cartoon logic about what the way cameras work, that's fine. It's the Twilight Zone. Like, nothing has to, like, you set your rules up. They follow their own rules, right? That's fine. It's just, I didn't, I was, expect, I guess maybe because of things like, and this, this is not the same thing, so please, everybody listening. Like, after the heavy lifting of something like Nightcrawler's, where it was the past coming back and it's, it, it can't be ignored. You almost feel like this has that elements, especially with the way the house is being booby trapped, that there's something darker happening yeah. that you're almost expecting. Like, like what if like one of um, the Kirk high figures out, it's a camera and picks it up and shoots one of them and they disappear, you know, like, like the, the husband or wife, you know, like something like that where it's like, Oh shit. If I develop these, they're all coming back, you know, like the, the, you're, you're waiting. I'm like, I'm waiting for like the hammer to fall and it doesn't. And that's okay. But you, like, you're like, you're like 90% of the way here to something. And you could have had that little bit of a dagger and a little bit of a meat fork, right. Or whatever, like, you know, but it, it, it's perfectly okay. It's just, I was hoping for a little bit more. That's all. Yeah. This runtime could have been a lot longer if they would have saved this or like later from like an actual series. one half hour episode or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think this has greater, uh, a greater bit of legs to kind of carry it along to be a longer storyline. Uh, we could have flushed it out even further to make it even more suspenseful. Uh, I, I think there's, I, I think there's a lot here to enjoy. And you know, when I say it's laughable, I think it's, it's mostly in the execution of the last part of this, like the, the, like, actually I'd say like the last third of this storyline where it's like, it's just go, go, go. And like the way that the, uh, the, again, like I call mini bosses because it seems like every room has their own little boss (laughs) and he has to like, (laughs) like take them out as quickly as possible. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's, there's fun here to be had, but absolutely wanted to, if, if we re, if, if we were to revisit this, we could make this really creepy and scary. And one of the things that um, this kind of reminded me of uh, immediately, especially when you think about this expedition, was um, the crate 
from creep show like yeah. i was like where is this gonna go now because i mean i know how dark that kind of like narrative can go well and i'm also thinking like you could you could mix this with and hear me out uh the jungle and also like the idea and i'm, I'm gonna say something very specific to you and if, if, if people know this book um I'll, I'll elaborate in a second but like something in like weave world where a, a an existence is woven into a tapestry when it's undone like things kind of come out of it. Like with this camera, when you're starting, it's like, it's, it's like you could have done like the jungle and a weave world thing where it's like the moment these are developed, you walk into this house. And I, I guess Jumanji is the right way to kind of equate this, but it's like, you've brought 1913 Kurakari like here, everything. And you're, oh, yeah, definitely. you know what I mean? Like you could have had like this thing because it's been unleashed now because of the process that was holding it in place has been exposed. Like you could have, I mean, again, maybe the budget wasn't there or the forethought, like you could have made this like hell on earth for the couple, like, you know, cause like they had no idea what they're about to unleash. And yeah, um, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of where I was thinking, like maybe the birds came along with this or like there was a jaguar that's going to come out from like one of these potted plants yeah, or, or something like, yeah. Or maybe. a large lion at the end of the episode, like the jungle <laughs> you know, that's in an apartment to sit in there waiting to pounce on somebody. Uh, yeah. Like there, like maybe like, is it, is it because you and I, um, we're, we've been kind of conditioned to always expect like darker things, you know what I mean? Like, or is it more like, like it, it isn't as satisfying unless like there's some pain involved. I don't know. Like, does that, does that even make any sense? Well, yeah, I, I, I think especially now, like there is so much media that we, uh, you know, uh, I guess soaked up that it's like our brains flood with so many different possibilities yeah. of where this could go. And that's like, I don't, you know, again, not trying to say that this is a bad story, but like it, the thickening, we could thicken it up so much more. Like when you, like when you want to make a thick soup, like you put a little cornstarch in it and now you get, now you got something real good, you know, yeah. like something hearty. Yeah, this could it, have been hearty. Yeah, and it, it, I, I think that I think that's the perfect analogy for this. So, yeah, it was th- this was fun, and I wasn't ex- I didn't know what I was getting into, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, it was perfectly okay. So, um, and so maybe I'm, I'm, I'm killing it with like you know with faint like I'm backhanding complimenting, and that's not what I mean by that. But you know, considering that that so far season one of this revival has been wobbly at times. Maybe I should just, just shut my mouth and say, thank you for one that was just fun. And considering of the writing duo of the two other sequences we got from them, that this is their best of the three. Maybe I should just shut my mouth and be thankful. We got one that actually was pretty good, you know, like, cause it could, it could have been way worse. Yeah. And, and, and even in, in that own right though, it's like, you know, our podcast is built on our experiences through watching the series it's in its entirety and somewhat of the critiques. I mean, we can, you know, here we are watching it, uh, 40, almost 40 years after the mm-hmm. fact it's like, so, you know, we're, we're just armchair quarterbacks here, you know, it's like whatever. But at the same point, these are the interesting parts here that with, this is like, and um, this is where I want to invite some of our audience into. If you love this one, or thought it could have used some like sprucing up, I want to hear what you have to say about it too. Because here you're hearing us 
say are different uh, versions of the storyline. I really w- enjoy this, but I want to see what other people think about this too. Like that's always like the fun part. Like what could we have done to kind of like thicken it up and like make it maybe a half an hour or 40 minute storyline. Like there's yeah. a lot here. There's a lot to bite into. Absolutely. So, um, any other notes, uh, about this? I have a little, like I have one bit of trivia. I just, I don't understand it. And then we can get to the, the twist. So anything else? No, what do you got for? No, so, what do you got for trivia there? It, it just says still life is not syndicated, meaning that this isn't part of the syndication package. I don't understand what that means. Cause I understand that like that the first season or so with the way that these were, like hour long terms of broadcast, right? You got your commercials and stuff. And a lot of them were three stories a piece. I don't know why this one, this one isn't packaged into like, you know, syndication. It does. It does. Like the trivia says it's not syndicated. It doesn't say why it makes no sense to me. Yeah. That's uh, confusing to me as well. I saw that note, but I was like, wait, just this one or the entire, the entire episode. Yeah, like, I don't just know the storyline or the entire episode. I, I mean, because I'm sure that there might have been some paid. some chopping of things to kind of like maybe if they package some of these as half hours, because uh, I know that's like, of course, after CBS started losing faith in the product, it gets a little weird, and we'll, I'm sure we'll run into that sooner than later. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why this one was like not syndicated, but then again, citation needed. <laughs> you know, like that's what I'll say about that. So, all right, um, yeah, let's just get to that twist. Twist rating as always is one through five. One meaning we saw it coming from a mile away, and five meaning mind blowing. Um, with a, a title called "Still Life Evolving a Camera," I knew that was going to get weird. But in terms of like um, people leaving photos and becoming like actual uh, problems, I didn't see that, so I'll give that a three. I'm going to give it a two. I was especially when we visit our professor. And he says that the Kurokai think that this, the soul is stolen by the camera and that the camera is going to come back and be the thing that captures them again. I'm going to give it a two. It's, it's not too far from logic of, of what they were already explaining. Fair enough. Um, I feel like I should have given it a two as well, but I, I've made it. The die has been cast. So everybody come at me. I don't know what that means. Um, come at me with your forks and your broken glasses. Um, ugh. Anyway, just do, you know, uh, it, it, just don't stab me in the armpits. Like, please, like if I'm going to leave this earth, don't do that. That's all I'm asking. That would be, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so. That uh, seems like some audition type stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would rather have. Uh, well, I don't know, man. That I don't. You know what? I'm not gonna get into what body parts I'd like to have uh, removed against my will versus being stabbed in the armpit. None of that seems like a win-win. Like, you know, like there is no, no. There's nothing there that I know. Anyway, so all right, that's gonna do it for our discussion about still life. You guys can find us on Strange Highways on Facebook. Um, I am going to post uh, before before this gets published, so you guys can hopefully find this on the social media. Um, the three different images of the toys we talked about that uh, Terry reacted to uh, the, the past episodes. We're gonna get to that weird skull tank that I had him talk about. <laughs> and then some of the other things too. go check that out. They're, we're always posting um, silly images from the episodes. Um, and you know, if you want to email us directly, you can 
go you could talk to us directly through the Facebook page or email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. If you enjoy the conversation, please let other people know. The more the merrier. It's like we always enjoy it. And Terry, where where can people find us otherwise? Uh, we're on Instagram, folks. Uh, we've had some feedback recently. We really appreciate that. It's nice to see that people are paying attention to the different uh, things that we post because, you know, we, we do have our normal nine to fives in that. Uh, and it, it gets a little hectic. And I'm sorry that uh, we sometimes are not able to get back to you quickly. But, you know, that life happens. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for uh, participating in our social media. Uh, but, yeah, find us on there. Like Paul always says, if you can give us a like, a follow, um, some kind of sharing on all the different platforms that you, you're on. You know, like Apple Podcast, the you know Spotify. Those are those are big. Those are huge for us. And uh, you know, it's coming into the the winter season. So I don't know if you're listening in a an area that you get inundated with a lot of snow. But you know, winter is coming. So <laughs> yeah, get ready for some more podcasting because we're gonna have a lot of fun here, guys. We're back into the series itself, and uh, I think this is gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for our discussion about still life. Uh, let's just talk about what we're getting into next. And now, Mr. Serling. Next episode is season one, episode 14, segment B, uh, The Little People of Killaney Woods. Um, I have no idea what this is. Um, it, it sounds um, fanciful. Um, yeah, just whatever. It, I think we're dealing with Smurfs. I, I, spoilers, I think there might be Smurfs involved. I have no idea. It sounds like Smurfs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where to go with this yet. And I think that's that's going to be the fun of this. We're going to have a, a pleasant surprise or a. <laughs> is it going to be? Is it going to be? Get through it. Is it going to be a short talk about little people, or is there going to be a long talk about little people? We have no idea. We'll get when we get there. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, in the meantime, um, you know, if people don't want their photos taken, don't take their photos. That's kind of a dick move. But at the same time, um, make sure you have space on your phone in case you need to take somebody's soul. That's not good advice. And don't be insensitive about how you address people. Something tells me the hedge isn't going to get trimmed this afternoon.